Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for how you bless this church. We thank you for the souls and the disciples that have happened organically as a result of individuals that were committed to Christ. And we pray that you'd bless us as we move forward with the vision of making this church a training center for Christian workers. As we set up Bible University, we pray that you would help us by your grace. Lord, help us to focus on quality rather than quantity. Help us to work the way that Jesus worked. And we pray that you'd give us the same dedication, the same spirit that fell upon the apostles would fall upon this church in a powerful way. Bless us as we open your word for a few moments here, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we conclude our two-part series entitled The Afterlife, and I want to begin by sharing a little bit about my perspective of, of flying. Uh, for, for whatever reason, whenever I get on a plane, it comes, it becomes a very, how should I say, a spiritual experience in that every time I get on the plane, it is a coming to Jesus moment. I don't know what it is, but whenever the pilot comes over the airways and says, please fasten your seatbelts, we are going to be facing a little bit of turbulence, that's really code in my estimation for it saying, for those of you that have any religious beliefs, now is the time to express them, you know, because, because that's what happens. And I want to tell you, on particularly transatlantic or trans-Pacific flights, uh, we were flying into Japan, and we hit some turbulence over the ocean, and it was really rocky. The plane is jolting up, up and down, and when you look at the stewardess and you see a little bit of stress, that, that's when you start to get worried. And you're clutching, clutching the, the armrest, and what, what usually happens is a prayer something like this, Father, forgive me for my many sins. Please, Lord, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Please, I accept you as my Savior. And Lord, if there's anything in my life that I need to confess, please, I I, I leave them over to you. And that's that's what happens. And I believe that for me in my spiritual experience, it's probably good to at least fly once a year because this this is a prayer that that regularly happens. I want to tell you that many times it's it's um, hyper-accelerated, I guess that's the word, by my imagination in that sometimes I'm in that moment, I imagine us plummeting into the ocean and crashing. And I think sometimes, what would it be like if I died on this plane? And I imagine that as we plummet, we crash, and it's like, ah, ah, what's going to be the next reality for me? And did you know that the Bible actually tells us it's really one of two options? Let's say I'm in this plane, transatlantic flight, and, you know, planes have been just disappearing nowadays, haven't you noticed? And suddenly, that plane just plummets into the ocean and smash, ah, all right, that's my last moment, my last breath, and I don't know what happens. And then the next moment is really going to be, according to the Bible, one of two realities, Only one of two realities. There's only two options that we have, and I want you to invite you, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5, our scripture reading, verse 28 and 29. You're only going to wake up in one of these two realities, and these are the words of Jesus. Mark chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'm just seeing if you're awake here. All right. John chapter 5. All right, I better go to my next slide. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. 12, 26, 
in the Bible that has been provided for you there in the pew. All right, the words of Jesus. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which how many? In which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, meaning the words of Jesus, the words of God, come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The Bible tells us that all of us in this room will arise to one of two resurrections, either the resurrection of what the Bible calls life or the resurrection of condemnation. You're going to wake up either at one or the other. So the Bible tells us, and this is our study here today, that these two resurrections are separated by a period of 1,000 years, except you won't know it's 1,000 years because, as we said two weeks ago, when we die and pass out of the time-space continuum, you have no consciousness of time. It's the next moment. So let's say I'm in that plane again. The plane plummets into the Atlantic Ocean. Ah, what happened? And either Pastor David Shin wakes up here, or I wake up a thousand years later and I wake up here. That is what the Bible tells us. According to our consciousness, we have no consciousness of time, which means that if I wake up here, I'm not going to be like, oh, what's taking the Lord so long? It's a thousand years. Oh, it's not like that at all. It's like, ah, oh, I made it. Praise God. Right side. Okay? Or, it's, ah, oh, no, wrong one, okay? Believe it or not, there are thousands of people, I don't know how many people die every day, but there's a lot, that are dying and waking up in one reality or the other. This is happening according to their consciousness. The Bible tells us that this period of time called the millennium separates these two resurrections. And when Jesus died on the cross, he assured the reality of a universal resurrection. Universal resurrection for those that are saved and those that are lost. And I want to invite you to turn or open your study guide, and we're going to go through this very quickly. This is a brief outline of today's presentation. If you don't have a study guide, raise your hand. We have our uh, individuals in the back that will give you a study guide. Take this home because I'm going to go through this very quickly. Look up these texts because this is arguably one of the most important concepts for us to understand because it has to do with our personal salvation. Keep your hand raised. Coming around here. All right, so I'm going to start up in the beginning of our study guide and read the introduction. The clear teaching of Scripture is that there are two resurrections. Jesus himself affirmed and taught this in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. These two resurrections are separated by a period of 1,000 years. The thousand years of Revelation chapter 20 is often called the millennium. The word millennium is simply a Latin composite of two words, milli meaning 1,000, and aneum, meaning years. The second coming of Jesus and the resurrection of the righteous mark the beginning of the 1,000 years. The saints of all ages, described as blessed and holy in verse 6, will be raised in the first resurrection. Friends, this is the resurrection that you want to wake up in. Amen? 
Now, the question is, what is going to happen in that resurrection? And if you look in your study guide, here are events at the second coming of Jesus. Sophie, we have some more people up here, if you could pass them out to these individuals up front. All right, so here is the first event at the resurrection, or at the first resurrection, at the beginning of the millennium. Here are the events at Christ's coming. The believers are resurrected. You can fill it out in your study guide. These are events at the beginning of the millennium, at the beginning of the thousand years, at the first resurrection. Believers are resurrected. How do we know this? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There you have it. When Jesus comes the second time, that is when the righteous dead are resurrected. There's going to be also a group of people that are alive when Jesus comes, righteous and dead. Now, this is the thing. If you die, and the first thing that you see is a cloud, and Jesus coming in the clouds of glory, you'll know that you're in the right resurrection. All right? So just keep that in mind. All right? When you die, the next thing you know, you see clouds, trumpets, angels, the dead are being resurrected with you. You're like, praise God, I'm on the right side. That's where I want to wake up, all right? Now, we'll go through in a minute what to look for if you're in the wrong one, all right? So this is what the Bible tells us. The dead in Christ rise. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is going to be a glorious day, a glorious resurrection, a glorious reunion. Now, on that day, this is what's going to happen, I believe, in my estimation, as I've imagined, the events of the second coming. When Jesus comes a second time, and we're resurrected, and, and first of all, I'm going to be like, praise God, all right? I made it. I, I think I'm going to be pinching myself because I said, oh, all the things that I believed, here it is. Jesus is coming, and I'm like, praise God, I'm on the right side, all right? Now, they say that there's three surprises when you get to heaven, all right? Number one, you're there, praise God. Number two, the people that you thought would be there are not there. And number three, the people that you thought never would be there are there. All right? Those are the three surprises. And this is probably what's going to happen, is that on that resurrection day, as we're caught up to glory and as we're caught up in the cloud, I think there's going to be a lot of searching. I'm going to be searching. All right? I'm like, I'm here, and then I'm going to be like, all right, where's my wife? All right? So, praise God. Daniel, you're here. Praise God. All right, now my sister, all right, my, you know, my, my parents, all right, my grandparents, and, you know, and then you go on from there, church members, you're like, praise God, you're here. Praise God, you're And then, heaven forbid, that you're on that cloud, and you're like, man, I can't find this person. Have you, have you seen them? This is going to be that dynamic in the cloud as we're ascending to glory. It's, it's kind of going to be bittersweet in that reality. You know, this is going to be an experience that all of the saved are going to have at the second coming. This person is missing. They've got to be here. And then it starts to settle in. They're not here. They're not here. We'll cover the events of the millennium in a little bit, and thus we shall ever be with the Lord. So here are the events at the first resurrection. When Jesus comes a second time, believers are resurrected. Believers receive immortality. Praise God, we're not going to have the same bodies we went down with, all right? We're going to have perfection. This side of the face is going to look like this side of the face, all right? We're going to have all together, 
okay? Receivers receive immortality. I'm going to go through this quickly. The wicked, wicked living are consumed by the brightness of His coming. All right, those that are alive that have not accepted Jesus are going to be consumed. The wicked dead remain in their graves. Believers ascend to heaven with Christ. All right, so these are the events. You can look these texts up in your spare time this afternoon or next week, perhaps. So these are the events. Believers resurrected. Believers receive immortality. Wicked living consumed. Wicked dead remain in their graves. Believers ascend to heaven with Christ. All right. This begins a period of time known as the millennium. Now, the millennium has two main purposes. One of the purposes is for the devil to be given a period of time to think about all the things that he's done because everyone is dead and he doesn't have a lot to do. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to to Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Last book of the Bible, page 1423. Revelation 20, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and bound him for how long? A thousand years. Now, the Bible, especially the book of Revelation, in this case, is a, a, not uh, talking about a literal chain. A spiritual be- being cannot be chained by a literal chain. This is talking about a chain of circumstances. And the bottomless pit, the translators have actually um, translated it bottomless pits, but it's the Greek word abusos, which is the same in the Greek Septuagint as in Genesis 1, where it says the earth was without form and void. So it's basically saying that the earth is going to be in a state of desolation. So the devil is going to have this period of time, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, as we've just seen, where he's going to have a time to reflect on the things that happened the last thousand, few thousand years when he's been wreaking havoc on planet Earth, a desolate, destroyed planet Earth. So that's going to be the state of Earth, all right? Everyone's going to be dead during the thousand years. The devil's going to have a period to meditate on the things that he's done. It is kind of like a sabbatical when the Earth rests for 1,000 years. Now, in the meantime, we're going to be in heaven. Now, why does God give us this period of 1,000 years? During the millennium, God will answer every question. As we've just noted earlier, when you get to heaven, there's going to be those surprises, and there's going to be some surprises where you're going to say, like, Lord, I just don't understand why this person isn't there. Let's say I'm in heaven, and my mom isn't there. I'm going to have some questions, all right? I'm going to go to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I knew my mom. I knew she was dedicated. Why isn't she here? Now, can you imagine if the Lord just said, oh, you just got to trust me? You know, go back to the streets of gold and whatever. You know, I'm going to have a lot of questions, and it's, not, it's going to be quite unsettling. Now, it's going to make matters worse if I'm in heaven, and my mom's not there, and I look over at my neighbor, and my neighbor is Adolf Hitler. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you get my point. Now, I'm going to say, wait, wait a minute. My mom's not here, but Hitler is my neighbor. Uh, and then God says, Um, I'm not going to open up the vault. I'm not going to open up the books. That is not what happens. When you get to heaven, you're going to have the opportunity to go through all of the records 
I don't know if it's going to be some sort of high-tech videotape, but they're going to roll it. All right? They're going to roll it, and what you're going to see is the stuff that you don't see this side of heaven, the secret life. One incentive to go to heaven by the grace of God. Amen? Because I don't want anyone going through my stuff. Amen? All right? And that's the thing. It's like they're going to be able to roll the tape. They're going to be able to see. And what they're going to recognize is that God did everything possible to save that person. And that person ultimately chose not to be saved. And that's why they're not there. God's going to give us 1,000 years to go through all the records that we ever want to. And the book of Revelation says that in the end, every person is going to say, just and true are your judgments. We're going to say, God, you were fair. You were right. You made the right decision. That's going to be the events during this period of the thousand years in heaven. As we move on, After every person has recognized that God was a righteous judge, the thousand years are completed. Is everyone following me here? Second coming, 1,000 years, we're in heaven, Satan's on earth with nothing to do. The events at the end of the millennium are as follows. Christ, saints, and the city descend from heaven. This is what the Bible says. Christ, saints, and the city descend from heaven. We're going to be inside the New Jerusalem How do we know this? Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is what happens. Christ, saints, and the city descend from heaven. The wicked dead are raised. And so this is the indicator. Now, if we die, and the first thing that you see is a gold city, you're on the wrong side. Furthermore, if you see a gold city and you look next to you and you're like, oh, Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, oh, no. I mean, you're on the wrong side, all right? This is what the Bible is telling us. If you see the city when you are raised in the resurrection, you have been resurrected a thousand years too late. You missed the first one. You're on the second one. This is a very solemn thought for us to recognize because no one in this room, unless you have a terminal illness, You do not know the approximate time of your death. That's why I believe that in many ways, or in some ways, it's actually better to some degree. It's like the silver lining of having a terminal illness because you can make your life right with God. But we have the opportunity to do that right now, friends. Amen? Don't leave it to chance where you're going to wake up because if you see the city, it's too late. The wicked dead are raised, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years we're finished. So here we have the 1,000 years. The first resurrection is here. The saints are in heaven. Satan is here on earth. Then we have the resurrection of condemnation that happens a 1,000 years later. Every person is going to experience this reality. And at this point in the millennium, when the city is there and the saints are inside and the unrighteous are outside, For the first and only time in human history, every person that ever existed on planet Earth will be there at that one time, at that one place, facing each other through those transparent walls. The moment has come. The executive judgment is about to take place. We move on. Satan is loosed. He has the opportunity to deceive 
He has the opportunity to go out. Now, when the thousand years have what? What does the Bible say? Have expired. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. He has not changed, even though he knows he's on the wrong side, and he goes out and deceives the people that are resurrected, and they say, we're going to take this city. Notice the mind has not changed. The character has not changed. These individuals go out to take the new Jerusalem. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And this is a part the Bible says is a strange act of God, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So here are the events at the end of the millennium. Christ, saints, city descend. Wicked dead are loose. Satan loosed. Last judgment. Satan and sinners destroyed. Earth cleansed and renewed. And the Bible tells us, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's not going to be a happy moment. There's going to be tears that are shed as the wicked and saints Satan and sinners are, are destroyed at that time. Right before our very eyes, according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God will recreate the earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there was no more sea. God will recreate the earth right before our very eyes and the Bible tells us that sin, affliction, will not arise the second time. Amen. Friends, this is going to be a reality. Andy M. shared with us last night, and he talked about how when we get to heaven, a trillion years is only a drop in the bucket. Can you imagine? Five trillion years living in heaven, and that's not even a millisecond of eternity. And what the devil wants to do, he wants us to trade this life for that life. And he gets us so wrapped up in the reality of this world that we miss out on this reality. And God is calling to us today, saying, if you have not accepted me as Savior and Lord of your life, do it today because you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. You're going to either wake up here or wake up at the second coming. And friends, let's not leave it to chance. Amen? Amen. Let's make the decision. Only you can decide right now. And I invite you to stand with me as we prepare to close. Every head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to make a simple appeal. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, or you are not sure of your salvation, every head bowed, eyes closed, and you don't know, if you were to die today going home, you don't know where you're going to wake up. You are unsure of your salvation. You can be sure right now. The Bible says that we can know that we are saved by the grace of God. And you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want to accept you as Savior of my life. I want to be sure. And you want to say, Jesus, come into my heart today. If that's your desire, I want to invite you to just raise your hand just between you and God. A simple, God bless you. God bless you. A simple physical response. Is there someone else that wants to say, Lord Jesus, I want to accept you as my Savior. Decisions are being made today for eternity, and you want to say, Lord, come into my heart today. Just put your hand up. Say, Lord, God bless you. God bless you. My second appeal is this. You have not been baptized. Jesus says, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
God is giving the opportunity right now to publicly respond to the voice of God, and you want to say, I want to prepare for baptism. We need to come to the point where we care more about what God thinks than the man thinks. And God is asking us to make a stand because He went to the cross for us. Won't you get baptized for Him? And you want to respond and say, I want to prepare for baptism. Just put your hand up just very quickly and say, Lord, I want to prepare for baptism. Is there someone here today that feels the Holy Spirit calling and speaking to their hearts and saying, I want to prepare for baptism? I want to invite you to raise your hand. There's someone. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Is there someone else? I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but just want to give the opportunity and say, Lord, I want to prepare for baptism. God bless you. God bless you. The alcove. My last appeal is this. You, by the grace of God, want to say, Lord, use me. I want to be the individual that is a Christian first and my profession is second. I want to be the individual that is a Christian first and a student second. I want to be the individual that makes you first, last, and best in my life. And I want to say this year, as we begin this school year, as we begin in September, as we begin in our workplace or whatever it may be after this summer, and you want to say, Lord Jesus, lead me to one person this year, at least one that I can lead to the foot of the cross. And you want to say, Lord, I dedicate myself to this mission. Jesus will do it, friends. He's in the mission of seeking and saving the lost. And you want to say, Lord, use me to reach one person this year, just like the campus theme is for this year. Each one, reach one. And you want to say, Lord Jesus, I don't know how, but I want to open myself to reach one person for Christ this year. I want to invite you to come forward for a special prayer of dedication. Is there someone? God bless you. God bless you. Is there someone else? Each one, reach one. One person this year to the foot of the cross by the grace of God. We can do this not in our own effort, but allowing God to use us. That's all we're doing right now and saying, Lord, use me to reach one person this year for the gospel, for the grace of Jesus Christ, and say, Lord, put a soul on my heart this year. Lead me to the person. Open my eyes, and God will do it, friends. He's in the business of saving souls through his kingdom. God bless you. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that heaven came down. We thank you that Jesus did not stay in the comforts of heaven, but came down to this earth and lived here and died and suffered for us so that we might have hope. And Lord, we thank you that even though angels could have done this work, you have called us so that we might develop a character like Christ to seek and to save that which was lost, to partner with heaven in the salvation of souls. And Lord, by the grace of God, we don't want to be alone in that first resurrection. We want our family there. We pray today that not one family member that is represented here would be lost. Heaven forbid that anyone is missing. Lord, help us to be there with our coworkers. Help us to be there with our fellow church members. Help no one to be missing, for this is going to be a reality, Lord. And we pray that right now you would help us not to sell out heaven for the pleasures of this life. Help us to recognize that the lies of the devil 
would not take foothold in our hearts, that we would not forsake heaven for the pleasures of sin for a season. Help us by your grace. Use us, Lord, this year to reach at least one person and lead them to Jesus. Lord, may you shine through us in our workplace as we are going about our class responsibilities, as we are going about our daily duties. May you shine through us so that others may see Jesus in us. May we reflect the character and the glory of God by your grace and by your spirit. Help us to that end. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.